content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. We are going higher indeed, everyone. Happy Furbulous Friday to you and welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Happy Furbulous Friday, Jerry. How are you doing today? Oh, can't hear Jerry. I am so happy the roads have cleared up. What happened? Did you fall off your seat? No, I think I double hit that stupid button. It's uh, it's, been, it's been a day for me. Today. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, no, it's been the last couple of days. I'm sure everyone out there can relate. That's here in Texas with this crazy a double grass snakes weather that we've had. I am so I am I'm moving. I'm not doing this next year. I swear to God. Like I I, I grew up in the in the back east. Okay, in upstate New York. And I grew up in the snow and the ice, and I'm very um, well-schooled on it. I can drive in it. I can do anything in it. But I've had enough. (laughs) I just thank God that I didn't lose my power because I really think I would be in a mental institution (laughs) right now if I'd lost my power, too, I swear. Right, right. I was driving in this morning, and I thought I was home clear because everything had, you know, it seemed like it melted, you know, down. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, there was a little bit of black ice outside my apartment complex, and I had discovered that when the tires on my vehicle let go when I was making a left turn. But that was all right. You know, just kind of bounced off the curb a little bit, reassess uh-huh. the situation, drive very slow to work. Yeah. I get to work, still half-inch layer of ice in the parking oh, yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. The pup, the, pu- the little puppy that I rescued from the puppy mill, and uh, it's uh, not been having puppy dreams, been having puppy nightmares. Anyway, I was watching them outside because I've got ice all around my pool. Well, I don't, e- I don't know how it happened because I had my eye on him, but he went in between the pillar where I couldn't see in my field of vision, and in the pool he went. He oh, was no. in the hot tub drowning. I had to throw everything out of my hands and run out there as careful and as quickly as I could so I wouldn't slip on the ice so oh, I could no. get to him, and it's just like... Oh, my God. You know, like this puppy's been through so much, which is what we're going to talk about today with Maura Davies here. I'm going to introduce her in just a second. We're talking about how to stop puppy mills. Everyone, we must stop them. I've seen it firsthand with this puppy that's been in my house now for over a week, and he's mentally disturbed from the trauma and the, just the mistreatment that he has had to endure in the last 17, now 18 weeks of his life. 17 weeks, because when I got him, the trauma was over. At least he's safe, you know, and love and well-fed and, you know, getting all the puppy kisses that he needs. But uh, it, uh, but we're only going to be on the air for 15 minutes with Mora, and then we're going to switch gears, and we're going to try to find happiness <laughs> and bliss through Buddhist meditation. Quite a switch there, right? <laughs> Jerry, you're not laughing. Mora, you're not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It's, it, puppy mills are just terrifying. Horrible. Dogs Horrible. People Sorry, I was... Oh. Oh. Still yeah. thinking about the poor puppy dog. Yeah, the poor puppy dog. Thank God that I got him out of there as quick as I could. And he was, oh, my gosh. You know, it's just like oh, so many people suffer out there. They do. But especially, um, you know, 
It's the vulnerable, like little animals and small children, you know, children and animals and elderly. And we must do a better job of protecting them. We really must. And so, you know, yeah. Maura, let me introduce you for those that have not, are maybe listening for the first time. Maura Davies is a regular on the show. She has been for nearly 12 years, right out of the gate. Uh, and she is the vice president for marketing and communications at the SPCA. That's the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals of Texas. Their website is SPCA.org. They're on Instagram as well at SPCA Texas and Facebook at SPCA of Texas page. Yes, SPCA of Texas page. Every time I say that, it just seems so weird. And we've gone over it before. But oh, more yeah. to, to get to the <laughs> to get to our topic today, which is how to stop puppy mills. Why should mm-hmm. people adopt and not shop? For all you people out there that think that getting a dog is like shopping for a purse or a car, I urge you to please listen with your heart to Maura Davies mm-hmm. today. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, there are so many millions of, uh, adop- of adoptable pets in this country. Uh, the only way that every single dog or cat in this country could have a home is that if every human being from birth to 75 years old would adopt seven a day, every single day for their whole lives. So uh, this is a big deal. It's getting slightly better. I'm still waiting for that 2020 census data to re uh, calculate those figures, but so I'm, I'm using uh, data from the 2010 census, but still, um, if you are adopting from a shelter, from a rescue, you are saving the life of that animal and the animal that can take its place in that shelter or rescue group. So there are breed rescues out there that are wonderful for just about any breed you can imagine, any mix of breeds, the doodles and the cuties and all. I mean, there's a rescue for every, every breed you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so please work with a rescue or an animal shelter. Um, these animals are also fully vetted. They're, I mean, 9.9 times out of 10 already spayed or neutered, depending on the state. It's a state law in Texas. If an animal leaves a shelter rescue group, it, it has to be spayed or neutered, whether that's mm-hmm. like before or immediately after the adoption. Um, the uh, uh, They're going to have their vaccines. They're, it's just going to be a better situation for you and them. Um, and it, it'll in the long run, um, save animals from suffering in puppy mills. Well, this in case in point, you know, my little dog, I think I'm going to name him Peter. I'm not sure yet. Um, Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater or Peter, uh, Peter Townsend. I call him Captain Peter. You know, I just, Petey, Petey, you know, yeah. I don't know what, you know, St. Peter name him. But anyway, you know, uh, he's mentally ill. I'm telling you, it's going to take me months to get him turned around. it, It will. He thinks it's normal to pee and poop in a cage. This is the first time he's had just like access to water and food, like whenever he wants it it's going to be a real challenge but he's not right and then here's the thing so they they sell you the puppy right where they at these shops where they sell puppy nightmares okay and i'm that's a play on words you know uh look it up yourself you you can look it up uh we're going to put some social media out there but basically anybody that's selling you puppy dreams they're really selling you puppy nightmares okay so 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 poor little peter you know, he's he's not right. And then they then they then they, uh, you know, push the oh, you should hire a trainer, you know, and all this and be sure to take him to the vet. He's got dis- he's got um, stomach distress. It's just been a nightmare. It's it's no dream for this little puppy. But what I was going to say um, is this, Maura, um, because I think this is important that we all hear this. So, you know, Patty Dawson from Dallas Dogger, <laughs> right? 
Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. She's been on the show many, many times. I tried to get her to help me with two other dogs that are, um, well, actually, there's four other dogs that are down in Seagoville that are in this remote area that are living on the street. They had to be in this horrible weather because I couldn't get to them um, by Tuesday or by m- Monday mm-hmm. before the ice started. Anyway, so mm-hmm. I reached out to her beforehand, and this was her response about helping, uh, helping me with these other dogs. And she said, yes, happy to chat. Or did I ask her? Hold on a second. Uh, oh, no, it's about the puppy, too. I asked her mm-hmm. about the puppy. She said, yes, happy to chat. It's been, a, it's been horrible. We are actually closed for intake for medium to large breeds. We have a waiting list even with fosters. I know that sounds weird, but we have had 49 returns since August of, uh, of 22, and our boarding is maxed last month, 7,000, and this month is going to be closer to 8,000. We have to adopt some dogs, puppies, and little dogs that we have fosters if they are being adopted. I just cannot keep bringing any, in, any more in because fosters, unfortunately, change mm-hmm. their mind or there is a disagree, disagreement, and then they want them moved out as soon as possible. Unfortunately, we just do not have the funds or the fosters to help to help adopters. Mm-hmm. She said, I can definitely try to help, and I know how hard it is when you want to save that dog and cannot. The puppy stores are a sad scene. Many of the dogs uh, to save them, but, but many of the dogs, let's see, the puppy, I'm going to calm down here. The, the puppy stores are a sad scene. Many, but the dogs to save them, and they do not give a rat's behind. If they are sick, they just want your money. They will bring another one in tomorrow and will not look back. I am happy to help with the pup or any smaller dogs that we can foster for. It is critical that we continue with these boarding bills and returns. Uh, if, if not, we could be under by July. That's straight from the horse's mouth, okay? And I know that mm-hmm. you guys have a trouble with all of this too. Everyone that's out there listening needs to understand that you cannot adopt. You must shop if you truly love animals and you don't want them to suffer. What do you say to all yeah. of that, Maura? It's a mouthful, I know. I know, I agree. And it is, it's, it's, very true. It is something that is happening uh, to rescue groups, animal shelters across the entire country. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a it, there's a really there are a lot of complicated reasons for it, but absolutely agree. And um, I mean, the, there are so many many horrible things going on in puppy mills. Um, I mean, these are a puppy mill is that large scale commercial dog breeding facility where profit has priority over the well being of the dogs. Uh-huh. That's that definition right there. Female dogs crank out puppy after puppy after puppy litter. They're kept in small, filthy cages. I have seen far too many of these over the years. Right. I don't know and how you do your job. Medical care. It is. It is hard to see. It really. It's. It's heartbreaking. Um, you know, there. The Better Business Bureau actually has a whole section on how people can protect themselves from uh, scams, where they they lose thousands of dollars and there's no puppy at the end, or they get a puppy and the puppy is sick and they spend thousands of dollars on vet care. Um, so it's, it's, and, and the puppy suffers and the mom suffers. And right. so when you get, when you get that puppy, it's a whole chain of events where all the animals suffer down this long, I mean, think, mm-hmm. you know, when you have two mirrors and you hold them up to each other and all those reflections, think of it like that. They suffer and suffer and suffer and it compounds. Yeah. So yes, I mean, they're, they're, um, if you're, if you're looking for somebody who's, you know, where you can get a puppy, just get, there's so many shelters, there's so many rescue yeah. groups, um, yeah, there take is. a look and, and adopt, don't shop, please. Right. And this was uh, made illegal in the Dallas city limits, but you know, they always find a way to do their dirty, uh, dirty deeds and their, uh, and, and 
continue their greed, uh, no matter who pays the price. But now, so they're in uh, Garland. Um, that's how I found about it, because I live in Sunnyvale. It's right down the street on Broadway um, and Beltline, where it t- turns over. It's right there at 30. Then there's one in, um, there's another one, another pet shop in uh, the city of, I believe, Arlington, who allows these puppies to be sold uh, at these pet shops. And then there's one in Sherman, and then there's two other locations that I know of, of this one particular business here in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area selling puppies. Um, and as I said, there's no, uh, it's, it's nightmarish for both the puppies and the mothers, like you said, Maura. And mm-hmm. then after they're done with the mother puppies, they get rid of them too, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know. And if, yeah, if the mothers aren't producing, um, I mean, I've, yeah. I have personally seen um, situations where if the moms can't produce anymore, they're put out like trash. It, yeah. I, I have no yeah. words. Yeah. No. And the thing is, you know, we all want to sugarcoat it. We don't want to really talk about this the way it needs to be talked about. And I think that's part of the problem is we don't want we well, we want to be politically correct. We don't want to offend anyone. Well, guess what? We need a wake up call. We need to offend some people. We need to sound the alarm now and ask people to please adopt, not shop and definitely do not get a puppy from a puppy mill. There are reputable breeders. But I even say right now we need to tap the brakes on all animal production all puppy production until every animal out there has a loving forever home. That's how I feel about it because it's a real problem in our society. Well said. Yeah. Well said. And yeah, responsible breeders, there are those out there, but it's so hard to discern. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's several things that really quickly, if you can see the puppy's mother and her living conditions and the father, right. and you get to visit the place and there's full medical records yes. and they're fully licensed by the state of Texas or wherever mm-hmm. you are, um, and you know, and you see, and you understand that that mother's health is critical, and it, that so it's not profit over health, but it's the yeah. health over profit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely want to put it in there too. I mean, a responsible reader will want to visit your home. Right. They want to make sure that there's a safe and caring environment yep. for the puppy there. But Absolutely. It, it, it's a tough subject, and those folks that are out there um, with the worst. Uh, with with all the bad things in mind for the animals, and they just want to make mm-hmm. that profit. Um, it's just it, the only way to to make that stop uh, yeah. is you know adopt, don't shop, and mm-hmm. take them go uh, ten miles further than you think you need to to make sure if you're if you do know a breeder yeah. uh, that they are reputable. Well, thank you for all the work that you've done. Um, uh, you know, we've known each other for 22 years, uh, Maura and I. Yeah. When my kids were little and I was, you know, <laughs> trying to teach them philanthropy and out, you know, doing work for uh, just all kinds of stuff. I, you know, we don't have any time really to talk about it. But I just want to thank you. And I want to thank Patty Dawson and all the people out there that foster and adopt and don't shop. So have a great weekend, Maura. Thank you so much for jumping on the air today with us and talking about a, a very difficult subject. Here, here. Thank you so much, Bernadette. You're welcome. All right, everyone, we're going to go to break. Stay tuned. Finding happiness and bliss through the Buddhist meditation. Uh, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. <laughs> 
Hey everyone, I have to share a story about how amazing Terraflora Advanced Care is for gut health. So my friend Liz contracted a debilitating intestinal bacterial infection about a month ago. Her doctor told her she could have died if left untreated. He prescribed a strong antibiotic that treated her infection, but unfortunately left her with terrible stomach bloating along with other intestinal issues. I recommended that she take Terraflora Advanced Care to help her replenish the good gut bacteria lost by taking the antibiotic. Liz said she could tell the difference in her gut immediately after taking the advanced care. Her stomach bloating went away and she could feel her gut working the way it's supposed to. She says Terraflora Advanced Care has been a game changer and she won't go without it. I hear stories like this all the time about Terraflora Advanced Care and all the Terraflora probiotics. I have been taking them for years myself and I encourage everyone to visit Enviromedica.com to see their full line of probiotics and find the one that's right for you. That's Enviromedica.com. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. everyone we are going to switch gears here welcome to one life radio this is bernadette with jerry caldwell broadcasting live from dallas texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We are so uh, happy to announce that we have, again, Kelsang Menla with us. He has studied Kadampa Buddhism under the guidance of the Buddhist master, Venerable Geshe Gelsang uh, Gayatsu, uh, Gayatso, sorry, Renposha for 25 years. Jen Menla was ordained as a Kadampa Buddhist monk in 20. Uh, 2001 and has worked and taught within the new Kadampa tradition for over 20 years, helping to establish urban meditation spaces in Baltimore, Maryland, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Washington, D.C., as well as Dallas, Texas. He was requested by Geshe Kelsang to become the resident teacher of Kadampa Meditation Center of Texas in June of 2017. He has dedicated his life to supporting the spiritual practice of others and brings a warm heart and a joyful attitude to sharing Buddha's teachings and the practice of meditation. Their website is meditationintexas.org. That's meditationintexas.org or on Facebook at KMC Texas or on Instagram at KMCTX. Uh, again, Gaisling Menla, welcome to One Life Radio. Hello, Bernadette. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was such a pleasure to meet you uh, at the center back a few weeks ago. And, you know, so many people need this right now. I think more than ever, finding happiness and bliss through the Buddhist meditation. So, uh, again, uh, how do people address you? Your full name? So, Gen? <laughs> yeah, so people address me as Gen Menla. Gen okay. Menla. My full name and title is Gen Kelsing Menla. Right. Okay, so how do you define Buddhism? Well, Buddhism, simply, we could say, is the practice of Buddhist teachings, uh, which we call the Dharma. Uh, Buddhism uh, began uh, with Buddha in the 7th century uh, uh, B.C., and uh, it's really characterized by finding inner peace and the path to liberation and enlightenment. And the liberation sometimes people refer to as nirvana, that's popularly known. But nirvana is the permanent cessation of our own personal suffering uh, or complete liberation. 
And enlightenment is a liberation, a great liberation, in which we have a compassion for others and work for the liberation and, and benefit the freedom of others. Mm-hmm. Why do you think so many people uh, suffer? Oh, <laughs> well, that's a big question, Bernadette. It is. It is, it is a big question. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, Buddha, in Buddhist teachings, we understand that there's two origins of suffering. The first teaching that Buddha gave after attaining enlightenment is called the teaching of the Four Noble Truths. And that underpins all Buddhist traditions. There's many forms of Buddhism, but they all practice in common the teachings of the Four Noble Truths. And in those teachings, Buddha explained the first truth is the truth of suffering, and the second is understanding the origins, that there are true origins, and that we should abandon those origins of suffering. And he described those as delusions. The main Mm -hmm. origin or cause of our suffering are delusions, and delusions are unpeaceful, disturbed, or distorted states of mind that are not seeing things and accurately, they're not seeing things uh, correctly. So that's what we call them delusions. They're misapprehensions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so because of these states of mind, we create so many kinds of suffering. And then that leads to karma, creating negative karma out of delusion, which is also another cause of our suffering. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, so Kadampa uh, Buddhism, uh, what is it and how does it differ from other kinds of Buddhism? Well, there's many, many traditions of Buddhism, such as Theravada or Zen, and they're all equally precious paths to liberation, enlightenment, freedom from suffering. Kanapa Buddhism, in particularly, was formed by an Indian master named Atisha in the 10th century, 10th, 11th century. And what characterizes the practice of Buddhist teachings is what's called the stages of the path to enlightenment. And in this presentation, all of Buddhist teachings are kind of synthesized or condensed into 21 essential teachings and corresponding meditations. The Tibetan word for this is called Lam Rim, but it means stages of the path and shows us how to enter the Buddhist path, progress along it, and how actually to attain liberation and enlightenment, this freedom from suffering for ourselves and others. So we're, we're practitioners of the stages of the path. And I think the other thing I'd like to mention about this is that kind of person largely responsible for introducing these teachings into the, the kind of wider or modern world is a, a master, my teacher, the founder of kind of modern Kadampa Buddhism. His name is Venerable Geshe Kelsang Gyasa yes. Rinpoche. Yeah. yeah. He passed away just last fall at the age of 91. And wow. He dedicated his life to, you know, bringing this wisdom to the modern world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm holding his book here that I got at the at the uh, meditation center. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I'm looking at it right here. How to transform your life: a blissful journey, mm-hmm. uh, as you said, uh, by the Master Venerable Geshe Kelsang Gyatso Rinpoche. I did a better job pronouncing it that time. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little yeah. tricky. <laughs> it is, and you know, and I and I I, I like to do a really good job. I mean, I, my, I get a little nervous, you know, sometimes when it's something that I, you know, that I'm not really familiar with. I've just now started to delve 
delve into this, like really delve into it. You know, I, I know, uh, you know, I did a lot of the study. I did a lot of studying of Thich Nhat Hanh, who recently passed away as well, like in the mm-hmm. last year mm-hmm. or two you know, uh, mm. reading books like Communicating or Peace in Every Step, stuff like that. But this book, How to mm. Trans- Transform Your Life by uh, Geshe Kelsang Gayatso is such a incredible read. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a guiding tool, <laughs> you know, mm. for, yes. for what's, for yes. what's really important in right in life. Right. I agree. I agree. It's an excellent book, and especially that first chapter. It's on inner peace and he delves into how important inner peace is for, just our daily happiness, for instance. Yeah. And then how through meditation we can develop that inner peace and overcome the delusions I was talking about, such as fear or attachment, compulsion, anger, these kinds of things. A meditation can really give us the freedom from those from those sufferings. Mm-hmm. It's an extraordinary text. No, it is. You know, I ha- I started to read it a couple of weeks ago when I purchased it. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I underlined was... Uh, Within it talks about uh, this shows is that we should not seek happiness outside of ourselves, but instead establish mm. it within by purifying and controlling our mind through sincere. And I really under underline the word sincere spiritual practice because I think that you you have to. I don't know how you get to the point where you're really sincere about it. I think that itself comes from practicing it, right, and really mm-hmm. understanding how life changing it can be if you are sincerely in uh, in control of our mind and and our heart hmm. that is a really good point that sincerity i like how you say it, it really comes from our heart and that couldn't agree more that comes from really understanding the value of it for ourselves personally the kind of necessity for our own life and happiness you know why why do why do I, as a person, need meditation, not like why in general is it a good thing, but mm-hmm. what's its value for me? And I, for myself, through experiencing that value, then a sense of it being in your heart and the practice being in your heart is there. And I think also with sincerity, you know, it's like we really mean it, right? When we right. talk about sincerity, when someone they really mean it. It's from our heart, like you say, and, it's, and there is an, an intention that's stronger and deeper. There's... Mm-hmm. It's kind of not wishy-washy, <laughs> not kind right. of lazy, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and I have a Catholic background, and I am now consider myself, I don't know, like a Catholic Buddhist of some sorts, because some of that residual <laughs> is still with me, you know, and I practice, I remember, you know, when we would practice, and we would, which is a form of meditation, uh, and I can't think of the name of the beads that, uh, that uh, you know, through Buddhists, it's their, they, I think they have the same number of beads, we've talked about this with Autumn Warren Connolly on the show before, but basically, you know, when you're saying, and you're going through, like, saying the rosary, you got to say the rosary like you mean it. <laughs> you have to be sincere <laughs> about it, right? And what is the what right. are the name of those beads that I'm trying to think of? You actually sell them at the center here in Dallas. Yes, it's called it's a the, mala. Mala. There you go. Yeah, the mala. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're longer or shorter. And traditionally, they have 108 beads yeah. on them. But yes, you want to. It's the same for us. We use a mala to recite mantras, and uh, we want to recite those mantras from our heart, like we really mean it. Yeah, you got to do any everything like you really mean it, right? In order, I mean, and also, you know, the book has really opened my mind um, that the mind is not the brain and that there there is an afterlife. You know, I've always struggled with that. I've never quite been able to wrap my head around it and understand how the brain and the mind are separate. This book, uh, How to Transform Your Life by um, Geshe Kelsang Gayatso, also has opened my mind to that. Um, and 
and hmm. visiting, you know, the Kadampa uh, Medi Medi Meditation Center. So I'm looking at the clock, though. We have to go for a quick break. Everyone, stay tuned. Okay. We'll be right back with Gen Kelsling Menla. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. We all strive for a life full of bliss and happiness. Well, what if I told you it's possible? Learn how to live in bliss at the pure bliss of Tantra, free talk, and guided meditation led by Kadampa Meditation Center of Texas resident teacher, Gen Kelsang Menla. Saturday, February 11th from 2 to 3.30 p.m. at the Dallas Museum of Art, followed by an open house at the beautiful Kadampa Meditation Center just a few blocks away. Visit meditationintexas.org and begin your journey into bliss. Contagiously positive, One Life Radio is back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Biaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Ken Kaisling Menla. He has studied Kadampa Buddhism under the guidance of the Buddhist Master Venerable Geshe Kelsang Gayatso Rinpoche for 25 years. Uh, Gen Menla was ordained as a Kadampa Buddhist monk in 2001 and has worked and taught within the new uh, Kadampa tradition for over 20 years, helping to establish urban meditation spaces in Baltimore, Maryland, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Washington, D.C., and Dallas, Texas. He was requested by Geshe Kelsang to become the resident teacher of Kadampa Medical, or excuse me, Meditate. I'm so many, <laughs> so used to fall covering medicine. I keep wanting to say medicine instead of meditation, honestly. But uh, uh, Kadampa Meditation Center, Texas, in June of 2017, he has dedicated his life to supporting the spiritual practice of others and brings a warm heart and joyful attitude to sharing Buddha's teaching and the practice of meditation. Their website is meditationintexas.org or on Facebook at KMC Texas. That's KMC Texas or on Instagram at KMCTX. And that stands for Kadampa Meditation Center. It's a beautiful center. It is on at 717 North Hartwood Street uh, here. Or no, wait, that's where the Dallas Museum of Art is, right? And that's where, that's the, right. the, <laughs> where the Pure Bliss of Tantra event and free talk is coming up Saturday. Saturday, February 11th, uh, from 2 to 3.30, I will be there. I actually know people that have already signed up that are coming in from out of town. Um, what do you expect the event to be like, uh, uh, Gen, Menla? <laughs> what do you well, expect it to that, be like? I, I was going to say, um, it's so easy to mix up meditation and medication. <laughs> I know. It is. Uh, I, I do it myself all the time. and um, <laughs> But I like to remember that meditation is so healing as well. There's definitely that, that connection. 
Well, you know, um, it's you know, it's funny. I was going to do a, t- a T-shirt about six months ago that meditate. And, I, and I'm not the first one to think of this, although I thought I was yeah. until I Googled it. Um, <laughs> but meditation. Yeah. Uh, meditation is my medication. And a lot of people believe that because it truly is. It can change your life. It can transform your life once you learn how to find that happiness and bliss through Buddhist meditation or or prayer or whatever it is that works for you. But it is very powerful. Indeed, it really right? Is. Again, not it really not. is. It's yeah. completely transformed my life. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's, it's why I've become a Buddhist monk and have continued to be so for for over twenty years now. Well, yeah, um, yeah, it's powerful. Well, I know when I met you and and listened uh, listened to your words intently as you led us through that beautiful meditation at the Kadampa Meditation Center here in Dallas, which is right next to the aquarium downtown, mm. the World Aquarium. I have to say, and you're you're displaying it right now. I mean, the kindness in your heart and the forgiveness is so. It's just so uh, <laughs> obvious, you know, because people do make mistakes. People do have bad days. People do get nervous. Uh, they do have other things flowing through their head constantly. And that's one of the reasons that meditation is so powerful. We do need silence, don't we? Oh, silence is so helpful, especially in kind of today's culture. We're always communicating, you know, whether maybe we're not speaking to someone, but we're texting, we're emailing, we're messaging. You know, there's so much communication that goes on and and it's so helpful just to quiet all of that down mm-hmm. it helps our mind to be quiet you know we're often just kind of speaking so quickly and thinking so quickly and our mind is being so kind of engaged and everything we're thinking about or want to communicate or whatever we're feeling you know that to be quiet is so helpful just to disengage from everything even if yeah. only for five minutes you know just to settle and observe the breath it's it's so healthy yeah it <laughs> for, is for it's, all of us and so many people struggle with it they really do um i spoke to someone the other night um who can't sleep without the television on you know mm-hmm. uh, they've had a lot of loss in their life and i and and so it's mm. a distraction right where we're constantly distracted by things but you know, um, how did you decide that you wanted to be again? And can you tell us what it, what it means to be again? Oh, sure. Well, again means teacher. And so it's a title that, that you receive after you've taught successfully, I think, throughout four years. And uh, so I was given that title um, when I was appointed a resident teacher of KMC Houston. That was for a short while. And then I came up to Dallas. And, but I... I guess I wanted to become a Buddhist monk um, for several reasons, but it's very much, as you were just talking about it, in terms of the pain that we all experience. As, as a young person growing up, I was experiencing a lot of pain. I experienced great loss in my family. Mm. And I experienced bullying. I experienced effects of racism, kind of figuring out my own the kind of difficulty of figuring out my own sexual orientation and identity. And, you know, growing up in the South in a small town with all of those things, um, I was experiencing quite a lot of suffering. So I understand that, you know, as, as Buddha taught in the first of his Four Noble Truths, there is the truth of suffering. And it's something we all experience in our lives. So I try to remember that. Just like you say, we all make mistakes. We're all going through mm-hmm. something at, at mm-hmm. some point or another. It's just part and parcel of this whole human experience. And mm-hmm. but when I found Buddhism, it gave me a great amount of peace because, 
you know, I had been running. I had been trying to escape from the pain that I was feeling about myself and in myself and my body and my mind. And, you know, I, I was just trying to escape. I had my time with substances, different drugs, and that kind of got to a point where it scared me because I thought if I kept going down that road, I don't know where that would lead, but I know it wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. And so when I met these teachings and the practice of meditation, I found a great amount of peace. And it was difficult. I mean, to sit still, you know, yeah. to sit still with yourself. That was challenging. Um, but I could feel that there was something good about it. I could feel that there was something healing and positive about it. And I guess a simple way to say it is that like giving myself the time to settle and being encouraged to actually investigate what was going on with my own mind and coming to understand the nature of myself and my own pain that I was able to and have been able to find a lot of healing and transformation in this spiritual path. And I still find that today, you know, I still mm-hmm. find that kind of power of transformation in these teachings and this opening of the heart and finding a greater empathy, you know, for what other people are going through and finding a deeper kind of sense of compassion that, I don't know, I guess that's what got me going in this path and that, made me make the decision to devote my life to this form of practice or practicing this way. And I think it still keeps me going today. Yeah. Well, you're amazing. And uh, I'm, I'm falling into that same trance that I did at the KMC <laughs> at the Kadampa <laughs> Medi- Meditation Center that, that Thursday evening. Haven't been able to make it back there. I'm really looking forward to the event on Saturday, February 11th, when next Saturday at 2 p.m. Uh, it's at the DMA. Uh, that's on North Harwood Street here in Dallas. Because uh, So can you tell us a little bit about the, the pure bliss of Tantra? And what does Tantra mean? What, what is that? Sure. Yeah, this is a great question. And, um, you know, Tantra, well, first of all, I'm so much looking forward to the event because to have two, 300 people, sometimes we've had more than that, um, meditating together, and it's just wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. it's supportive to those who are newer to the practice and feel that they can't even sit down. But when you get in a room with that many people, you're being guided. There's an energy that kind of is developed. And mm-hmm. this is a collective intention. I think that brings everybody along into the practice a little bit more kind of deeply than they'd be, be able to on their own. Um, so I'm, I think the event is going to be wonderful. It's, we've been doing it for maybe 12 or 13 years um, wow. in conjunction with the DMA. It's just, anyway, it's a wonderful, I feel, public service, the free event and a great introduction to meditation and Buddhist ideas. Um, But Tantra, yeah, Tantra, you know, Tantra is widely misunderstood. You know, so much of the connotation about Tantra is having to do with sex. But Buddha himself taught Tantra to ordain monks and nuns, those who practice celibacy. So it's clearly not about sex. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one, you know, kind of misperception that needs to be clarified. And I will clarify that within the talk. Um, However, there is the element of of bliss and developing bliss that's part of the tantric practice. And we can just think of bliss as like happiness, as a pure form of happiness that we're finding naturally from within ourselves. And tantra is a method for helping us to overcome the kind of ordinary perceptions of ourselves and others, a kind of limited self-identification and 
to find deeper levels of that pure happiness within ourselves, but to find it quickly. That's kind of the magic of Tantra, is that we're able to find this, this kind of deep happiness and this sense of purification within ourselves very, very quickly, um, which is wonderful <laughs> because mm-hmm. we want to be happy, you know? Yeah. No, and uh, you know, and I'm glad you uh, you explained that because I've always questioned that too. But I do think that it is good to um, to refrain from anything that could be addictive, including sex. And I think a lot of people, you know, uh, don't understand that sometimes when you even uh, I don't I don't want to say shut down that part of your life, but not shut down, but put it on hold. You know, and because it's part of really examining yourself and taking a deeper mm-hmm. look of why you do the things that you do. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Sex is an easy outlet, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's easy to get addicted to. Um, but I do think mm-hmm. it's it's part of. It, I think it must be at some point for everyone part of that spiritual spiritual practice of going truly inward, and figuring out what makes you tick and why and how to fix it in order to find that bliss and happiness that you speak of. I couldn't agree more. I really yeah. couldn't. You know, it's so helpful to kind of release those attachments that we have mm-hmm. to look deeper within ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. and when, like you say, when we're able to, to kind of step back from those things, put those things on hold to, that gives us the space to look deeper. And mm-hmm. you know, I think we can't underestimate how challenging or scary that can be if we haven't done that before, you know, if we haven't yeah. kind of, and it, it takes courage. Yeah. It takes courage to do that. And, and, but it's a rewarding journey. Mm-hmm. And when we can release that attachment, which is really, think about attachments, it's this mind that craves something outside of ourselves to fulfill ourselves, but we can find a fulfillment within ourselves naturally that doesn't have to depend upon those objects or those activities or those pleasures. To so just find that happiness that is within inside of us right now. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, it's almost miraculous, really, because in today's day and age, I mean, gosh, we can get whatever we want, whenever we want it. Everything Mm -hmm. is so easy. It's, you know, the objects of our attachment and desire are just on hand. So I think to step back from all of that and to really find a happiness that we already have is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I do, too. And we have to go for a quick break. Everyone stay tuned. We've got a few more minutes. We'll be back. More coming up with, again, Gaysling Menla from the Kadampa Meditation Center here in Dallas. Uh, visit their website, meditationintexas.org. We'll be right back with Gan Menla. Stay tuned. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Gan Gelsing Gelsing Menla. We are discussing finding happiness and bliss through Buddhist meditation. Okay, so, you know, let's talk about this again. Mm. Let's, again, Menla, let's talk about this. Uh, Why do Buddhists meditate? I know that sounds like a very simple question, but I think it's a, a, a nice reset as we come back from break to just talk about why they do it. Yeah, thank you for that question. Great question. Um, and the simple answer is that we meditate because our understanding, our belief is that happiness comes from a peaceful state of mind. 
And that when our mind is peaceful, we can be happy, even if things are challenging in our life, even if things are falling around apart, you know, falling down around, falling apart around us, excuse me. Um, but meditation provides us with that practice and experience of, of keeping a peaceful and positive and balanced state of mind. And how, simple answer. Yeah, and, and but how does uh, Buddhist meditation, is it different from other types of meditation? That's a great question. I mean, these days there's so many different types of meditation. You know, you can access through apps and YouTube, and of course there's different meditations kind of embedded in different spiritual or religious practices. And, um, you know, I, I don't know enough about all the different kinds of meditation, uh, but I can share that within Buddhist meditation, we kind of have two forms or two types. You say there's two types of meditation. Mm -hmm. And the first is contemplation. So this is active, you know, we're thinking deeply, yeah. kind of, you know, you were saying before, from our heart, sincerely, we're, we're contemplating, reflecting on a spiritual instruction, in this case of Buddhist teaching. And we want to gain a deeper insight into it, a deeper feeling. And so, for instance, we could be meditating on developing love. And there's many instructions for developing love within Buddhism. And so when we find that feeling of love towards family members, friends, children, pets, you know, mm -hmm. when we find that uh, through our contemplation, then we move into the second type of meditation, which is just concentration. And, and we try to keep or focus on that feeling of a warm heart. Mm -hmm. So we have these two types that kind of feed into and strengthen each other. And, and we can use these two types uh, while we focus on anything. We could meditate on non-attachment. You know, we could meditate on patience. We could meditate on love, kindness, interconnection, and things like this. And, but there's these two types, the contemplation and then the concentration, using mindfulness to hold that, that peaceful state of mind. Yeah, I contemplate a lot when I'm when I'm doing simple tasks like even doing the dishes. Again, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and I or like uh, when I'm vacuuming, I come up with. I just I'm always I feel like I'm always contemplating, but I don't know if I'm, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I contemplate on love and what it is, and um, you know the complications of it, or you know. But it's contemplating and meditation. Is that the same thing? Uh, it, kind of. No? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's okay. And it's interesting because a lot, maybe generally we think about, or we hear meditation, we think, okay, just focus. Like, no thoughts, that kind of thing. Um, but in fact, we want to cultivate meaningful thoughts. And mm -hmm. wouldn't you agree we want to cultivate a meaningful intention? We want to cultivate that kind of state of acceptance. So to kind of get there, to find those mental states we contemplate we mm -hmm. kind of use our mind to to bring us there so contemplation definitely is a form of meditation i, I think the the kind of tricky part is our mind can kind of wander here and mm -hmm. there and here and mm -hmm. there so it's useful to have some instructions so for instance in the stages of the path i was speaking about earlier the stages of the path to enlightenment there are instructions on 21 different meditations. So it kind of gives us an area of contemplation. Mm -hmm. And then we can kind of stay within that somewhat. 
you know, instead of yeah. kind of becoming too too <laughs> too zigzaggy, too distracted in our minds. But um, mm. yes, in a sense of a purposeful, a bit more focused contemplation, and yes, we can be meditating. Yeah. Definitely. I think I was meant to be a Buddhist all along, even though I was raised Catholic. And I think of, you know, my, sen- my senior year in high school, I have my oldest brother was severely mentally ill and was in and mm-hmm. out of state hospitals while my parents were trying mm-hmm. to raise smaller children, me being this mm-hmm. one, the youngest. And, uh, you know, I remember in my senior year um, going to the mass every morning at, this, at the Catholic high school to I went to. That's where I went um, to meditate, pray. It's so funny. You know, I think they're, they're very similar, the, the, the act mm-hmm. of praying or the act of meditation, because you're seeking a higher power. You're also cont- contemplating, you know, and, and thinking about, you know, how can I find calm? How can I find happiness or bliss through this prayer or this meditation? And mm-hmm. um, and I don't know where I'm going with this other than I just I see some similarities here. And I remember having such incredible peace during that time with all the turmoil mm-hmm. that was going on. And I went to that uh, place to meditate or pray, whatever you want to call it, every single morning throughout my senior year in high school. I've never shared that, really, I don't think on the air, um, mm-hmm. but it got, it got me through. You know, but but going every day. And so where I'm going with this is do Buddhists have mm-hmm. a dedicated day for worship similar to Sundays for Christians? Or is everyone welcome at a Buddhist service and other events that that you guys have? <laughs> well, Bernadette, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with with all of us, with all of us. And I couldn't agree more with you that prayer is a form of meditation. Definitely. Definitely. And with prayer and um, we're seeking to its higher power. We're seeking this kind of refuge in our faith, and it's different for each person and what they believe. But definitely, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I too have found a great amount of peace and kind of strength and clarity through the practice of prayer. Mm-hmm. I think it's something for everybody to kind of investigate. And but but to your to your question. Um, uh, no, we don't have a dedicated day for for worship and practice. Um, we uh, welcome everybody to come to any of the, the classes, the prayers, the retreats that we have. Um, we're open to, to everybody. Uh, our center is pretty active. We have, it is. It's whether wild. it's within our, <laughs> within our actual facility or, or elsewhere, we have a group that meets in Plano. We have a group that meets in Fort Worth. I go out to Fort Worth on, on Tuesdays. We've got Sunday and Thursday meditations at the at the center in Dallas. Plus on Saturdays, we'll do retreats. Sometimes we do a silent day retreat. We just did one a couple of weekends ago. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really active. And, you know, every day, is, every day is practice day for us. Yeah. Well, I know when I went, I loved it. And there's the music. I knew I was waiting for it. I got the two-minute warning, just like a football game. (laughs) And uh, I can't wait to be at the event on uh, Saturday, February 11th. Maybe you can pop on the air with us again uh, before the 11th. That's next week. But, you know, I'll see you then. I'm really looking forward to it, everyone. Check it out at OneLifeRadio.com or go to MeditationInTexas.org. And, uh... And come and meet Gelsing Menla. He's wonderful. You won't be disappointed. Thank you so much, Gen Menla. I'll see you soon. Thank you, Bernadette. You're welcome. 
Yes, me. I'm, I'm hoping to have a great afternoon. The sun is shining. The snow is melting. All right. And it's Friday. So everyone, you know what? You get one body. You get one mind. And I'm not so sure if you get one life. You might get more than that based on what I'm starting to think. But anyway, get out there this weekend and have some fun. And don't forget to meditate. Thank you.